1: This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com.
0: And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work
2: for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie
1: V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez.
2: What's up, all of my liberty-loving Americanos out there? I am Rich Valdez, your Latino amigo right here, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden in New York City. Far-left radicals continue to attack the consent of the governed. We're talking about porn, Portland, all sorts of attacks on la policia, and the porqueria that's going on in Chicago. But first, I want to jump into this article that I saw on pornography. It's from newsbusters.org and the headline, Family Time with Mrs. Stephanopoulos, Watching porn with the kids. And I said, oh my gosh, what's this all about? Let me read it to you. You know which side ABC anchor George Stephanopoulos comes down on on whether kids should go back to school this fall or not because of the Chinese virus outbreak. He doesn't want us to send our kids and endanger their lives. Of course not. Most of the left doesn't. But his wife's latest admission... Should have you wondering whether the Stephanopoulos family knows what's in your kids' best interest or even their own. In a recent podcast interview with the Will & Grace star, Deborah Messing, comedian Allie Wentworth, who's been married to George Stephanopoulos since 2001, opened up about her insane parenting methods involving educating her kids about pornography. There's the normal strategy of saying, hey, let's stay vigilant. Let's be parents and educate them about the dangers of this corruptive and addictive medium which profits off of violent exploitation of women and has been linked to sex trafficking. Then there's what Mrs. George Stephanopoulos told her Hollywood friend, that she watches porn with her children. Ah, what? Gross. Fun for the whole family. And this is in the article. Wentworth, who has two daughters with the Good Morning America anchor, claimed, quote, You can't stop them, so I would just sit and watch it with them. I would look at the porn with them that one time like, they're performing, quote-unquote. And she thought to herself, oh, that's wonderful. The article continues. Wentworth, who's a comedian, explained that this was, in a way, what she could provide as context to this practice that she does with her kids. She claims that watching it with her kids allows her to explain how it's exploitative of the actors in pornographic productions. Back to the article. She added, in porn... Women have been conditioned to look and act a certain way. They're performing. And it's dangerous to have boys see this as something that women want. Gabriel Hayes from the newsbusters.org, he says, Oh, wonderful. How about telling your daughters to turn it off because it's dangerous? Also, how would it not be awkward for the Stephanopoulos family to sit with their teenage daughters as the actors simulate sex? This is crazy stuff. I can't believe what I'm reading. Mr. Hayes goes on to say that her excuse that the kids are going to do it anyway reads like she's surrendering to the world's corruptive influence over her children. So she'll just let them have it and frame it for them in a healthy way. And the article goes on. You should check it out. It's at newsbusters.org. This reminds me of being young and in my 20s. No, not because I was watching porn, but because this is becoming a political issue. And people used to argue with me and I would say, listen, everything is a political issue. And they would criticize me, chastise me, push back a little bit and say, no, 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 no. It's because you make everything political, but everything doesn't have to be political. And I object because I do believe that politics has everything to do with everything. When you have public policy that, in effect, can help children and parents to view this type of activity as sane, normal, above reproach, this is the way it should be, I think we got a problem because everything is political. It's so important for us to understand what it is that we believe. Because if you don't know what you believe, and I usually talk about this at the end, but if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. If you don't know what you believe, you'll be, oh, that's really interesting. Oh, that's really, yeah, yeah. It's an open mind. <laughs> you know, I think the, the worst thing about an open mind is that anything could get in. And you don't want just anything wandering around your brain. All I know is that it seems like many things that were once considered taboo and bad are now becoming considered normal. They're becoming normalized. As a society, we're becoming desensitized to things that we were once very sensitive to. And if you listen to the last episode of This Is America, you know that we kind of got into the topic of human trafficking, which in large part deals with child trafficking. It's a big deal. It doesn't get as much attention as it should. This president has made it a staple in his administration to keep the pressure on all human trafficking, and that's a good thing. But we've really got to stop and think and say, it's not just about politics in the ballot box. This is about people's worldview. This is about people's entire outlook on things. There's a great book called The Universe Next Door, and I read it a bunch of years ago. And I really kind of skimmed through it. I didn't read it in depth, so I'm probably due to sit down and look at it again. But it talks about worldview, the philosophy on how you see life. And my particular worldview is a Christian worldview. It's one where I try to keep the Bible and all things good and holy at the forefront of how I see the world. That doesn't mean that I'm perfect and good and holy, right? (laughs) Definitely not. But it means I know what is and I try to err on the side of good and holy as often as I can. Probably not as often as I should but that's a different podcast. And I think that our worldview needs to be secure. It needs to be moored and rooted in something. Politically, we can have a worldview that's rooted in Christianity, that's fine, but we can also have one that is rooted in the Constitution, in the founding documents, in standing up for what America once was and trying to hold on to that. Nothing wrong with defending America. There's nothing wrong with celebrating the fact That We live in the best country in the world, not because I was always told it was the best and because I'm saying it's the best, but because in fact, more people are sneaking into our country than into any other country. This is truly where you can come and make it. This is truly where you can come and say bad things about whoever is president and get away with it. And that's just one of the many reasons I love America, but I don't want to get too off track. So keep it locked right here. Because on the other side of this, I want to get into what's going on in Portland and What's going on in Chicago? All of that straight ahead. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to This is America. I'm Rich Valdez.
1: This is America.
2: In times like these, it's so important that we focus on the facts. I always tell you to focus on the facts. I think you hear that everywhere you go, and that's because facts are irrefutable. It's the bottom line. It's the real deal. And in times like this of uncertainty, we need to rely on the facts. I get my facts from JustFacts.com. That's F-A-C-T-S, JustFacts.com. Go to JustFacts.com and sign up for their newsletter. JustFacts.com forward slash rich. Just put my name in there and you'll get it for free. JustFacts.com slash rich.
1: This is America. America.
2: All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on Twitter, at Rich Valdez on Instagram, and all the other social media. Definitely uh, check me out there. We try to put as much new and interesting content as possible. I'm not a great tweeter or Instagrammer or anything like my colleague Mr. Producer is. He's fantastic at it. He can talk to you, produce a show, heat up his dinner, and tweet all at the same time. Definitely not me. So many things that we know and consider to be normal and mainstream in our lives are under attack. I'm just looking at the news and I see that, like, apparently being generous can be misconstrued as harassment. The days of being friendly and nice are ending in favor of living in a bubble, I guess. Are we supposed to, like, move into our basements like El Bobo Biden? Hiding Biden? Hell no. I don't think so. Al carajo with that. But this is what we face When we have, as the great one Mark Levin pointed out so eloquently the other day, that the Democrat Party has truly become the anti-American party. And it used to be that they just embraced anti-American sentiment and they had some anti-American provocateurs or cheerleaders within the ranks. But they kept America front and center. At least they put up the front that they did. But I think it's all on a full display and these people are in your children's classrooms. As I mentioned, the Daily Caller did a man on the street interview outside of the Black Lives Matter Plaza that's right by the White House. And one of the participants had this to say. Check this out.
0: Are you um, you know, personally proud to be uh, celebrating? Are you proud to be an American? Less than American. And I think we need to redefine what that is because uh, I think people are taking what our movement is and twisting it. So that's a good question to ask. And while I don't celebrate the 4th of July, I'm actually a history teacher. So I'm privy to what happened July 4th, 1776. So I've been stopped celebrating the 4th of July because that was a um, slap the my ancestors,
2: they weren't free. Wow. I mean, you wouldn't have believed me if I told you that story. So you had to hear it for yourself. This is the racism that cries wolf. See, and here's the problem with all this. The left pushes racism, in my opinion, a phony racism, because it's not really based on hating people because of their skin tone. It really isn't. It's not because of their race. This is about divide and conquer. But stick with me. They keep pushing this because they think or at least they know, or they think they know, that to say that racism is fake is indefensible until it's not taken seriously anymore. Then they're screwed. That's why I said they have the racism that cried wolf. Whether it's teachers, unions, and these are all, in my opinion, people that subscribe to Karl Marx's philosophy of the proletariat and sticking up for the worker. It wasn't really about the worker either. It was about destroying private property, not about promoting workers' rights. And here it's the same thing. This isn't about racism. This is just an excuse to create an us versus them scenario. Yes, there are good-hearted people that feel guilty for being white. I see it all the time. You just go through Instagram and you'll see people that are on their knees and, and uh, other people are taking advantage of them. You've seen these videos. People kissing people's feet. White people kissing black people's feet. White people washing black people's feet. Because they're sorry. They get on their knees and they apologize for being white. This whole concept of white guilt, I think I talked about it in episode 133 or 134. It's an article that's 40 some odd years old from Marxist.com that talks about how they kind of created this idea of white guilt to make people feel bad. The whole thing's a scam. And they spell it out in their articles. So they take advantage of all of this stuff. But all of that falls apart when people say, screw you, call me a racist. Even if they're not one, because people will eventually say, you know what? I'm not going to sit here and defend myself when I know that you're never going to believe me anyway. They're going to say, you know what? I know in my heart, I've never hated a black person for being black. So I'm not a racist. I don't live my life through the lens of racism. And when you get that person to say, screw it, call me whatever you want. I know the truth. That's when that slur, you're a racist, bigot, homophobe, xenophobe, Islamophobe, transphobe, whatever phobe they, they want to make you, it no longer has any bearing. And we've seen this before. If we rewind the tape a little bit to 2016, 2015, 2016, we've seen this all before. Remember when Hillary Clinton said that Trump supporters were a basket of deplorables?
0: To just be grossly generalistic, you could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Right? The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. And unfortunately, there are people like that. And he has lifted them up. He has given voice to their websites that used to only have 11,000 people, now have 11 million. He tweets and retweets. They're offensive, hateful, mean spirited
2: rhetoric. <laughs> there you go. And now notice how the Trump supporters, they didn't say, hold on, we're not deplorables. We're not. No, 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 no. They proudly put on their badge, deplorable. They made t shirts. They made hats, trending hashtags. It no longer had any effect to call them deplorable. She'd lost all credibility. The next thing they did. They tried to say that Trump was a Nazi. They repeatedly called him and still do call him a white nationalist. So he put an end to that. He mocked them at a rally that he gave. And he said, guess what? I'm a nationalist because he stood up for America. Listen to this.
1: We're putting America first. It hasn't happened in a lot of decades. We're putting them first. But radical Democrats want to turn back the clock. Or the rule of corrupt, power-hungry globalists. You know what a globalist is, right? You know what a globalist is. A globalist is a person that wants the globe to do well, frankly, not caring about our country so much. And you know what? We can't have that. You know, they have a word. It sort of became old-fashioned. It's called a nationalist. And I say, really, we're not supposed to use that word. You know what I am? I'm a nationalist, okay? I'm a nationalist. National. Nothing. Use that word. Use that word.
2: And they're doing the same thing right now with Goya. They tried to use their whole cancel culture to cancel Goya. And I don't want to get into it too much, but a quick update on Goya from the editorial board at the New York Post. Be careful whom you try to cancel. The bid to boycott Goya Foods is backfiring in all manner of telling ways. The outrage industry pronounced after Goya CEO Robert Unanwe praised President Trump on July 9th, demanding that socially conscious consumers find other sources of beans, rice, spices, and so on, blew up in their face. AOC failed here. The blowback included a boycott. That was announced by Francisco Marte, the secretary treasurer of the Bodega and Small Business Association, furious at the attempt at enforcing political conformity on one of the country's most successful job creators, while actively harming Hispanic immigrant run stores that work long hours to make ends meet amid a challenging economic and health crisis. And that's a quote again from the head of the Bodega and Small Business Association in New York. The whole thing blew up and you can check it out at the Post. It's a great editorial. They're screwed. They want division. But what did Trump do? He took a picture with Goya products on the Resolute desk in the Oval Office. It drove Chris Cuomo, Fredo Cuomo. It drove him insane. And so many people on the left. Are you kidding me? Are you? It's a pandemic. Are you kidding me? I mean, I just thought it was laughable. It was not more than a hill of beans. And after Trump said he was a nationalist, just like he put the Goya out there, just like he's worn everything they've thrown at him as a badge of honor, it loses its power. Now, you would think that the media, the fake news media, those in the media that are fake news, I should say, would take a page from the Trump playbook and figure out, you know what, maybe we should just wear the badge of fake news media and then it won't stick to us anymore. But instead, they become so righteously indignant They double down. We're not fake news. Jim Acosta just throws tantrums. He he, Literally, I mean, he's worse than my teenage daughters when, when they get moody. He is really just, I mean, A, a disgrace to men in general. And B, if I were his boss, I'd be ashamed of the guy. He literally goes to work every day to pick a fight with the president. Who does that? People see that. People who I don't even know. When I go places, they know that I have a podcast and they ask me stuff like that. Hey, what's up with that guy, the Spanish guy from CNN? Why is he always fighting with Trump? He's a literal embarrassment. People don't like him, but he's doing his job, right? Fighting with the president, belittling the office. That's what he's got to do. Now, of course, you're pushing back saying, oh, no, no, no. It's Trump himself that belittles the office. We can have that fight a different day because I disagree. So maybe the fake news media could try to minimize the impact if they tried to defend themselves, but truly there's certain things that are indefensible and these lies that they put out there about Trump are right in that category of indefensible. You see, President Trump or then candidate Trump, citizen Trump famously taught us that if you own up to something, it minimizes on its own. When he said he was sorry for the locker room talk on the Access Hollywood bus with Billy Bush, it went away. It didn't have the impact they wanted it to have. What the left doesn't realize is that the more they call people white supremacists, white nationalists, deplorables, more people see right through them and will probably wear this as some sort of stupid badge of honor because they no longer have any significance. They have zero significance because they've lost credibility, just like the phony impeachment, just like the phony Russia pee tape. Anybody who buys into that stuff is truly allowing themselves to be used as a useful idiot to hurt America. That's the bottom line. Keep it locked right here. Straight ahead, we're talking about Portland, Chicago, and if there's time, about Dr. Fauci throwing out the first pitch at the next uh, Washington Nationals game. Hmm. You're listening to This Is America. I'm Rich Valdez.
1: This is America.
2: ¿Qué pasa, USA? Does anybody remember that show from back in the day? ¿Qué pasa, USA? What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, and welcome back. I'm at Rich Valdez on Parlor, at Rich Valdez with an S on Twitter, at Rich Valdez with an S on Instagram, and if you, that's if you want to say something nice. If you want to insult me, uh, that's at Rich Cementa with an S. At Rich Cementa, that's Mr. Producer. Trump minced no words when he said... From the Oval Office two days ago, and I'm reading from a CNN piece, quote.
1: And then the police are afraid to do anything. I, I know New York very well. I know the police very well. New York's finest. And the fact is, they're restricted from doing anything. They can't do anything. So what are you planning on do? Well, I'm going to do something that I can tell you, because we're not going to leave New York and Chicago and Philadelphia and Detroit and Baltimore and all of these. Oakland is a mess. We're not going to let this happen in our country. So All run by liberal Democrats. There more federal law enforcement to some of these we have cities? More federal law enforcement, that I can tell you. In Portland, they've done a fantastic job. They've been there three days, and they really have done a fantastic job in a very short period of time. No problem. They grab them, a lot of people in jail. They're leaders. These are anarchists. These are not protesters. People say protesters. These people are anarchists. These are people that hate our country. And we're not going to let it go forward. And I'll tell you what, the governor and the mayor and the senators out there, they're afraid of these people. That's the reason they don't want us to help them. They're afraid. I really believe they're actually maybe even physically afraid of these people because what they're doing is incredible. We didn't just go there. This wasn't like it started right away. We went there after 51 days. We said we can't let that happen anymore. But these are anarchists. And the politicians out there, yes, they're weak, but they're afraid of these people. They're actually afraid of these people. And that's why they say, we don't want the federal government helping. How about Chicago? Would you say they need help after this weekend? Do you know the numbers? Did you hear the numbers?
2: That's a quote from the president. El Trumpito Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of the United States. Chad Wolf, the director of DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, and President Trump and everybody else have said, look, if they're going to start trashing federal property, doesn't matter where it is, federal law enforcement's going to be there to protect the homeland. That's exactly what the Department of Homeland Security does. This is what they do, and he's going to use them in the right capacity. And I agree. This one seems pretty open and shut. But some call her Beetlejuice. Curtis Sliwa calls her Mayor Lightweight. I haven't come up with a name for her yet, so I just call her. This lovely woman who is the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, listen to what she had to say. I have great concerns about that, particularly given the track record in the city of Portland. I spent a lot of time yesterday talking with the mayor of Portland to get a sense of what has happened there. We don't need federal agents without any insignia taking people off the streets and holding them. I think unlawfully. That's not what we need. That's Mayor Lori Lightfoot, saying that the federal government could help stem the violence by cracking down on illegal guns. And Trump said on Monday, yes, he's sending federal law enforcement to certain cities, all run by very liberal Democrats, in his latest example of law and order messaging. And yeah, they're going to get guns off the streets. They're going to do what the Democrat mayors and the Democrat AGs and the Democrat governors are not allowing them to do. Because the cops have their hands tied. And we've already seen how that looks. Just take a look around New York. No bueno. Bad news. You know, what's really sad is that they fight Trump every single step of the way. Every step of the way, they're fighting Trump. Because he literally is our, like, last line of defense. And I'm not trying to prop him up. I'm really trying to make the example that I think I make over and over, but I'm going to try and make it a different way today. And that is that Trump had a lot to lose, but he ran anyway. Trump gave up the easy life. Because he realized that everybody he donated to, Democrat and Republican in many cases, they didn't just let him down. They've been letting the country down. So he packed it up and moved into the swamp. And I congratulate him for doing it. Because I talk to people every day that are like, what can we do? What can we do? And I just say, look at the president. What did he do? He put it all on the line. They've gone after his children. They try to put Don Jr. in jail. They put him in the box and sweat him for, what, 30 hours? He was questioned. It's crazy what's going on. They tried to remove Trump from office. They tried to lie about him with a phony dossier. And they say phony because, again, it was, wasn't real, right? It's been proven that it wasn't real. There's an inspector general investigation that proves that this stuff was fake. FBI guys have been fired. There's text messages proving that they were biased, even though the IG says that they didn't act in a biased way despite their own personal political biases, whatever that means. You have to be blind to not see that they absolutely hate Trump. With the latest thing being, if you stub your toe, you've got COVID-19. People fudging the numbers all over Florida to make it look like Florida's self-destructing. Meanwhile, the death toll in Florida is going down just like it is all across the country. It's an amazing thing what can be done to spin information. It's an amazing thing. Some people think that I'm a spin doctor, that my job here is to Tell it to you the way I want you to see it. No, my job is to tell you the way I do see it. It's up to you to figure that out and do your own research. When you see less and less deaths, even if there's more and more infections, the death rate is going down. Like by its very definition, it's going down. That's just fact. You can't argue with the facts. And quick plug to my buddies at JustFacts.com. JustFacts.com. Sign up for their newsletter. You can definitely get it in your inbox, free of charge. Just go to justfacts.com rich. That's all you got to do. And follow all of us on Twitter and Parlor. But if you keep it focused on the facts, time and again, you see, Trump wins. And again, I know I'm preaching to the choir and I'm echoing things you've heard before, but think of 2016 when they all said, there's no way Trump's going to win. Oh, Trump's not going to win. They all thought they had it in the bag, but they didn't. FAYARUNG. They failed. So I agree with the president when he says, that if he wasn't here to say no way, we'd be in some mess. Some mess. Listen to this.
1: There has never been an election where we've had this kind of difference. We want strong borders. Without borders, you've heard me say it a thousand times. Without borders, you don't have a country. They don't want to have borders. They want to have open borders. It's radical left and it'll destroy our country. 20 years ago, Venezuela was a very rich Country, one of the richest, one of the richest anywhere, per capita, one of the richest, tremendous oil reserves. Now they don't have water, they don't have food, they don't have medicine. We do everything we can to take care of the people, but they have nothing. And that's exactly the ideology that you have going over here. If I wasn't there to stop it, if I wasn't here to say, no way, that's not going to happen, we'd be in some mess. We'd be in some mess. And Pelosi and Schumer and Bernie and Joe, they'll never stop it. They don't have the power, the strength to stop it. It's beyond them.
2: But we do. I'm going to keep beating the same drum. Trump 2020. And it's not so much about Trump. It's about America. It's about sticking up for the country that I grew up in. Country I was born in the country my children were born in, the country that we all know and we all love. My parents are Americans. This is what we know. But too much of our traditions have been lost. Faith is under attack. Being a woman or being a man is under attack. Going to school as a little kid that's six or seven years old is under attack. Our life as we know it is literally under attack and so few people realize it. They're just going with the flow because they've been conditioned. They've been sucked in. They don't, criticize anything. They're not skeptical about anything. Intellectual inquiry has fallen by the wayside. Please, por favor, listen to what I'm telling you. You got to wake up. And I don't mean that you're a sheep that's asleep. That's not what I mean. I mean, you've got to wake up right now and do something to get this president elected again. Otherwise, what we're seeing in isolated pockets across the country is coming to a theater near you, a neighborhood near you, When I worked for Governor Christie, the State House isn't far from the bridge. The Trenton Makes Bridge. And they call it the Trenton Makes Bridge because on it, it says, Trenton makes, the world takes. It's an Old Testament about, you know, manufacturing and what they did and how they rolled back in the day. But the same is true with New York and Chicago, L.A. These cities lead the way. Just look at Hillary's electoral numbers. But for New York and California... She would have been beaten pretty easily, but they've got a stronghold in these places and they're able to lead from these places. Is it any surprise to you? Leader of the United States Senate, where's he from? Oh, snap. That's right. Chuck Schumer, Brooklyn, New York. Any surprise to you? Speaker of the House. Oh, snap. California, Nancy Pelosi. Last president, Chicago. I'm telling you that these cities lead the agenda. And if we don't take control of what's going on in these cities, this will come to your front lawn. Don't believe me? Vote for Biden. But if there's any doubt, you need to vote for Trump. That's the bottom line. This election is about liberty versus tyranny. Trump is holding on to what's left of the United States. And boy, have they done so much damage. But we can continue to move forward. But we can't get obsessed with people going to jail and chat boards and things like that. We have to focus on one thing and one thing only, and that's winning. Winning in our streets, taking action that we've never taken before, right? That's how the old saying goes. It says, if you want to achieve something you've never achieved, you've got to do something you've never done. When people come up to me and they say, what's an ordinary citizen like me going to do? What what can I do uh, without going to jail or without losing my job? And I'm thinking, you've already lost, bro. You've already lost if you're not afraid to stand up and lose your job. You've already lost if you are afraid to get locked up. In the last episode of This Is America, you heard from Bevelin, yeah, Bevelin is her name, Bevelin Beatty. She put black paint all over the Black Lives Matter murals as a protest. She's a black woman, a conservative activist, a preacher, and she did that as a statement saying, you don't care about Black Lives Matter. Now, I'm not saying we all have to be like her, but we can all learn from her. We can all learn from President Trump. We can learn from those who are out there doing it, putting their job, their lives, their family on the line. If you're not willing to do that, please don't look at someone else and ask them to do it. This is your country too. So whatever age group you're in, it's time to step it up. Because if you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. Hamilton. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like all of us, to sit here and watch everything crumble and do nothing. We can't do nothing. We have to do something. I always implore you to read something so you can know stuff. Listen to my podcast, please. Shameless plug, but this goes way beyond that. Now we have to get out and do stuff. Nothing violent, but we have to take more action. If this isn't a priority, the America we knew will be just that. The America we knew. The America we once knew. If you don't want that to be the future, it's time to step it up. Hasta la próxima, America. Until next time, my friends, thank you again for making us one of the top 200 podcasts on the Apple political chart. I am so grateful you have no idea. In church, they would say, turn to your neighbor. I'm going to tell you, turn to whoever is with you and tell them to subscribe to the podcast. This is America with Rich Valdez. We greatly appreciate it. We appreciate the 4.9 or 5-star rating that we've got. All of the reviews, they're just so endearing. I really, really do appreciate them, and I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America.